guest is Brittany Sobish, who joins us from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Brittany is a longtime friend who Kip and I have known for over two decades and we're quite happy to have her join the show. Brittany got her start in the industry in her teenage years and has worked in almost every role in the front of house and back of house and in every environment from nightclubs, dive bars, pubs, and fine dining and music venues. Currently, Brittany's working at the Starlight Room in Edmonton. We had a terrific conversation with Brittany and you will definitely enjoy it too. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Kip. The producer is Dan. What's happening? I'm just hanging out being awesome as hell. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I saw that coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Weather's nice, so I can't really complain. Uh, yourself, how are things going with you? How are the bars? Uh, well, they were shit this weekend, so... Must be ownership. Fuck a minute, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm getting. That's what I'm getting on the Reddit reviews. Yes, yeah. that's all me. Uh, bars are cool, the owners are fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's summer in Ontario, man. Nobody's around on the yeah. weekend. So sure, sure. all the business has gone to shit. And uh, we just all white knuckle it till the fall or pray for rain. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But if you were to be in Kitchener Waterloo and you wanted to check out one of the bars that I own, please do come soon. Sugar Run is the Speakeasy downtown Kitchener, Uptown Waterloo, Babylon Sisters Wine and Spirits Bar. Uh, that's at Sugar Run Bar on Instagram, at Babylon Sisters Bar on Instagram, if you want to check out what events we have coming up. And then the new spot is the Argyle Arms in Preston, Ontario, at Argyle underscore arms underscore 2023. <laughs> so come check out those places if you are in the Tri-City area. July 22nd, we're actually having a grand opening parking lot party at the Argyle Arms, sponsored by Wellington Brewery and anyone spirits so you know want to come check that out we're gonna have live music we're gonna have a cornhole tournament and i think that's just a game where you throw a beanbag or otherwise i'm gonna be very surprised about what happens <laughs> with this thing you're in for a surprise buddy <laughs> good luck uh, okay so that's july 22nd saturday it starts at two o'clock and it goes till everyone's drunk um <laughs> 2 15 <laughs> <laughs> if you're coming yeah i'll be drunk before i get there yeah well that'll be great yeah uh, actually our old friend cam's gonna run the tournament oh is it the cornhole tournament oh my god yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just heard the voice of our guest who's gonna be joining us in just a second that's our old friend Brittany sovish who also knows of course our friend cam but she's gonna be coming along in just a second before we get to her we should mention that if you want to be a guest on the show like Brittany did you can email us at info at the industry club or you can dm us at the industry podcast on instagram that's where you'll find the amazing artwork done by zach hanna at zach hanna.co for all your graphic arts needs big shout out as always to zach for all the work he does for us and uh what else uh subscribe rate review yeah, that'd be great, actually. That always helps out. So if you can do that, it just takes a couple clicks. That would be wonderful. Yeah, it really doesn't take that fucking long. Yeah. And it's not like, not like this word commitment required. So <laughs> whatever the hell that word means. Yeah, you don't even have to listen to it. <laughs> just subscribe. That's true. <laughs> All right. Enough about us. Our good old friend, not old in age, but old in how long we've fucking known her, Brittany Sobish. How are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? Doing wonderful. Thanks for coming on the show. Definitely yeah. appreciate this. So stoked to be here. This is hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun. So uh, we haven't seen you since you moved out west for some reason. You were telling us right before we started recording that you decided to move to Edmonton un- for reasons no one can comprehend. <laughs> I, I So I had family who used to live in Edmonton when I was growing up. My cousins lived there, so we would go there all the time. And I just don't know why you're there. 
That's fair. <laughs> like most of my unthought out decisions, I'm happy that I'm here, but like I said, not thought out, but it's, it's good. It's the change that I needed. I mean, Toronto was my home yeah. for so long and yeah, this is just a new adventure and I'm stoked to see what happens. Uh, and your sister lives there. My sister does live here. Yeah. And what does she do? She lives here. Oh, okay. Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, my sister's about to get married. She's, we're vastly different. Yeah. She's getting married in August. She runs a house. She's got a banking company and she is the exact opposite of uh, me, which is a, both a good thing and a bad thing. Oh, it's funny. I'm a pretty opposite to my brother as well. So him being a minister. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So let's talk. Let's go way back to when we first met. We were just talking about this before we started recording, but you and I first met when you started working at Ethel's, where I was working at the time in, in Waterloo, and you were 14. I was. Yeah, that was a different different time back then. Like I was like trying to explain this to people recently. They were like, how the fuck did that happen? And not in a bad way, but I just remember being a kid and being at Ethel's with my parents, which seems... Like, Jesus, another lifetime ago. But I just remember being on the patio with Glenn one day and then being like, oh, you need a dishwasher. And I just said yes to it. And I mean, I remember leaving like my last baseball tournament when I was like, I was in, still in grade eight when I worked my first shift there, which I hope yeah. for legal reasons no one's getting a shit for this. But um, yeah, it's just, I started and I just didn't look back, I guess. It was, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, so you started, so I'm going to try and remember because was, this was yeah. fucking 20 years ago, but you started dishwashing and then you were cooking for a little while as well, right? Yeah. And then yeah. you started doing the bar running thing? That's exactly it. So yeah. what happened was, I guess a short, uh, I got the boot when I was in high school and right. I was working at Ethel's at the time and that's when I started working at the Starlight and it was good for me in a lot of ways like i mean we both know we finished high school i did all that stuff but like i'm really grateful for that time because i think about having like you guys in my life and like where say another 16 or 14 year old kid would have been at that time and i'm grateful for the fact that like and you know what it's like in the industry or like your people that you're working with instantly just become your family mm-hmm. and it's like your chosen family yeah. which is kind of the best of both worlds but yeah it was it yeah, was I, good. Think, I think between like me and JR and Brow and some of the other people working there, we always looked at you as like our little sister the whole time yeah. you were working there, right? So, and the, the good thing is you get like a very, like you're 19. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, but like you get what you get is like the protectiveness of like, because like, the other thing about working in the industry is people get really protective of you as well. Yeah. So that's probably, and like you said, it's a good thing to have when you just been kicked out on your own right no 100 percent. and there's like a lot of things that i'm really really grateful for like i mean god i remember oh god even just like living with Vinny and jr and then christina and i'm like i'm just i've been thinking about a lot like the last couple of weeks and we decided to do the podcast but like i'm so grateful for all of those relationships and how that like influenced me in my life and decisions that i made some good some bad but like where I would be outside of that if I didn't have that at the time, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So were you working at Ethel's and Starlight at the same time? Yeah, I had three jobs when I was in high school. Yeah. Was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was the wait, what was the third one? It goes on. Oh, beat goes on. Right. I yeah. forgot you weren't there. So beat goes on for people who don't remember what how you used to get music was like a used uh, <laughs> record easy. and cassette store and CDs, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're still around. 
Why? They kept a couple of locations out oh, of video games. Are you serious? Oh, video games. Yeah, video games. Uh, and memorabilia. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. So, yeah, video games and memorabilia. Mm. So they do a lot of that stuff. And CDs still, too. Mm. Records. So they got a little bit of everything, but they kind of fit, focused a little bit more different. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a CD player, but I have thousands of CDs from when I worked there. <laughs> well, do you have any interest in uh, buying into a Vico's on franchise right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bring it to Edmonton, actually. That's a new <laughs> I guess that's stunning to me that that place still exists. Maybe talk to us a little bit about like being that young and growing up in the industry, basically, and how things changed for you as you got older. Like you said, moving from 14 to 19, 20, whatever. <gasps> What was interesting, well, things had changed. I mean, obviously not a non, like a non-traditional high school growing up. But I mean, I think for me, once I found my family and met you guys and everyone at Ethel's, that like, it was harder for me the more that I worked in the industry at such a young age to relate to people my own age, mm. just because of like life experiences and things that I mean, like also having three jobs was both a good thing and a bad thing. But I think that Something that really hit me is when I moved to Ryerson when I was, I would have been 18. And that was my first time like away from home, home, if that mm. makes sense. And I wasn't around you guys and I was trying to figure out Toronto on my own. But like that was something I noticed as soon as I went to university is that like that obviously working in the industry ages someone far more than they should really mm. quickly, but also in a really good way. Mm-hmm. At the same time. Yeah. Like you really get, I don't know how to describe this properly but like your ability to read people <laughs> is um, like, yeah. Yeah. That all the time. yeah like it's it's you get like a crash course in what people yeah. are really like and how like you can you can tell almost exactly how someone's going to be before you've even said hello to them that's exactly it yeah you were 18 when you went to ryerson but you were you still you still lived in Weren't you still coming back to? I was. So that's funny that you bring that up. I was thinking about that. So when I went to, yeah, I was 18, went to Ryerson. And then after my first semester, because I remember coming back to work at the Starlight on New Year's because I had no friends my age when I was going to Ryerson. So I would come back on the weekends because that's where you guys were. And I would take the, I would quote unquote, pretend to go to university Monday to Friday. And then I would hop on the bus on Fridays and come work Friday, Saturdays, and then go back to Toronto. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I I don't remember that. That's funny. Now, it started to come back to me, but I mean, fuck, well, I'm surprised I remember anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm surprised I remember any of that shit. Starlight was a trip. We, (laughs) there was a lot of partying done before, during, and after work (laughs) by all of us. I don't think... I might not have been the best influence. <laughs> yeah, I think anyone was. No, really but I think that, like there's just like things that I've learned, and like even like these days, people were like, "When did you learn to play poker?" And I was like, "I just remember wanting to hang with you guys, like being a kid." I was like, I "Found a football team, and I started playing poker, and then maybe that's where everything went downhill or got up." I don't know, like, <laughs> Definitely. Lots yeah. of fucking peaks and valleys for sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's funny that you mentioned the poker thing because so we're still sitting in the house that we used to call Studio 258, where Dan still lives, and where now it's a recording studio in his office and like a, <laughs> a very well put together home that he spent a lot of money on. But back in the day, it was still a nice house, uh, although not no thanks to us. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was a club. <laughs> Yeah. So church, really. Yeah. Basically, uh, for those who are listening, who will remember this and for those who don't know us, uh, we'll explain it. But basically, everybody 
everybody from every bar in town almost came back to your house at after we got off work at like three in the morning and we would sit around and do drugs and drink beers and play right. poker. Yeah, yeah. My neighbors really loved me at that point. I was just gonna bring that <laughs> yeah, the guy didn't like me too much. Yeah, I wasn't a good neighbor, but it was a lot of fun. Wow, fuck man. You had 40 people flicking cigarettes like yeah. that. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yet or are they still there? No, they moved out. Different guy now, yeah. thankfully. So yeah, no, because I was working that's right, because I was working at the at the Rev at the time. So I'd become I'd come home and oh, then it just it just developed from there. Like Jamie O was hanging out with me, and then like a couple more people oh. came over, and then you guys were like, Hey, what are you doing after work? And then more people, more people, and it grew and it grew and it grew. We'd have multiple card games. And then the next thing it was like nobody even really probably even messaged you to see if yeah, like when people just start showing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Must have been fun for you. <laughs> it was a lot of partying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you almost died. Yes, yes, that's right. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> then I got pneumonia and the party stopped. <laughs> it's an abrupt ending, probably the easiest way to end that one. But uh yeah, it's not the way you want to end. Oh no, but... no, it almost ended me. But uh <laughs> To go a little while to recover from that one. So that, like, in that era, you're like 18, 19. Yeah, and we, yeah. and you're then you're just playing poker with a bunch of dudes, fucking. Yep. 15 years old, 15, 20. All years life old. skills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you're probably the best poker player in Edmonton now. <laughs> no idea. That's actually a really, really funny story. So obviously in Toronto, you guys know what booze cans are. There used to be one. In Kensington Market, and this is both an amazing story, but also something that I'll remember for the rest of my life. But I was there kind of on a date with a man who's very important in my life, and he's still one of my best friends. But I remember going to this after hours one night, and it was like this perfect hot summer night. And I remember trying to be this like, like dumb, cute girl. Where I was like, oh, like even though I'd been there before and I'd played poker there before, but being like, oh, like how do I get chips? And like, blah, blah, blah. so he sits me down at the table, <laughs> a pile of chips in front of me. He goes to play pool. And I actually recently, in the last couple of years, found out that I was playing a bunch of guys that I actually knew. And it was one of those games where I was just fucking just blow. I was just being such a fucking asshole and pretending to be a dumb fucking girl and then all of a sudden I'm up like two or three grand and my buddy comes back and I'm like let's get <laughs> fuck out of here let's leave and he looks at me and it's actually a really really solid thing that a man's ever done because most people would tell me what to do or drag me out of there and all these things and all I remember him doing is giving me his vest and his ring and going back to play pool as I finished playing poker, but then, you know, when you're trying to leave the fucking game and you just keep fucking winning and yeah. winning and winning and you're trying to throw it away. <laughs> I don't remember what happened when we left, but I just remember leaving. But it was one of those games where you just finally wanted to leave and you couldn't go, but it ended well. <laughs> That's hilarious. So yeah. you, when you moved to Toronto, when did you move to Toronto? Well, I guess you obviously moved to Toronto to go to university and then you just stayed when you graduated or? No, so... I can't remember it. So what happened? I can't was, remember shit, Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> no, so here's what happened. So I went to university for a year, did not do well at all. I came back and worked my first summer at Ethel's serving, which was both a good thing and a bad thing. And then I fell in love with a boy in a band and ended up staying longer than I should have. Oh, right. Now it's coming back. Yeah, exactly. And then classically, that blew up because it's my life. Uh, And then I moved back to Toronto. I'd say it would have been my years and my time was a little off. I want to say like maybe 21, 22 is when I made the official move 
Okay. Yeah. And where were you working? So I, it's funny that, uh, so we always ask people to send us a bio. So we have some sort of an idea of like how to move the conversation along. Uh, but reading yours, it's like funny. It's like, cause I didn't see you obviously for a long time after you moved to Toronto. If I, I remember a couple of times running into you when I was in Toronto or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. Like you on the street one day with John. Yeah. 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 But I didn't realize you worked, you worked as a bathroom attendant. Tell me about that. Oh, this is funny. I, and this is like a right place at the right time kind of situation. But I remember being outside of one of my classes, uh, my first semester, and especially after working in bars and knowing everyone in Waterloo for so long, it was really hard for me to try and find a job in Toronto when I first moved there. Because one, I was still 18 at the time, so I couldn't legally serve. And I just remember being outside of my class one day. And I randomly just started talking to this girl and she told me that they needed barbacks. And this club used to be called Sea Lounge. It was on Wellington. And I remember like being so broke at the time and like spending my last cash, like go and apply for this job. And what they needed for the first couple weeks, it was in September and it was during TIFF is they like, and I don't even think this is still a job anymore, but they needed me to be a fucking bathroom attendant. So on one side of me, there's this girl doing makeup. On the other side, this guy's doing massages. And then there's me at 18, just like trying to fucking hand out like, like shit to people in the bathroom, like not even knowing what I'm fucking doing, but also just being grateful that I had a fucking job. But also, yeah. like, it's, it's an insane thing to think about that. That this is actually, yes, yeah. I was about to remember that era for a while. At every okay, club. but do not, yeah. yeah, every fucking club. It was so, so annoying. Like, I, I, there was a stretch where I just wouldn't wash my hands because, yeah, like, it, I would it cost me 15 bucks to take a whiz every time, right? Well, so I, what <laughs> I, I used to, I was in there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to like go in, I'd be like, I'd hand the guy 20 bucks, and I'd be like, just. Just remember me because I don't want to have to go through this every fucking time that I have to take a pee or do a line. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I and inevitably I would come out and the guy would be like huh? looking for a tip again. I'm like, yes. dude, we just had this conversation. But you were one of 150 dudes. Ex- exactly thing. doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, how many of them had neck tattoos? <laughs> it's at least probably, kind of probably everybody actually that's a good point <laughs> what, does that job literally not exist anymore i have not no it. idea i rumor has it and i haven't been to a strip club since actually that's not true i've been to a strip club since i've been here but i think maybe at like clubs and shit like that but uh, like it's like a regular yeah. thing like, there's like i wonder if COVID would have had some fucking effect on that, I would imagine. Oh, right? yeah. Probably. Yeah, because you don't want people touching you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't really want someone following me in the bathroom when I'm there anyway, let alone trying to wash no, that's my true. hands. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what a weird job. <laughs> yeah. How are the tips? Amongst many. How are the tips doing that job? I don't remember, but I remember making friends with the girl that was doing makeup and the guy beside me, and basically what we would probably do is, and let me say, it was called Sea Lounge for a fucking reason, but we would just <laughs> like, there like little mark of values so we were like leaving work, and my hair and my makeup would be perfect. And we <laughs> no money. But uh, it was fun. That's crazy. I, I I honestly had never known that you did that job. Uh, so, okay, so when did you finally crack a bar job in Toronto? So, when I first moved, okay, when I finally moved back to Toronto for the first time after school, I ended up getting a job at this restaurant called The Waterfall, in Kensington Market, and it was an Indian restaurant. And I started there. I remember getting a job actually before I even had a place to live. But uh, as someone that was new to Toronto, I found I basically was living in like a very cheap, very room rented. Like I basically lived across the street from Sneaky Days, was working in Kensington Market, and then everything kind of unfolded from there. 
Mm. I hated the job, but when I finally just decided to quit and get up and I had to like go and hit the streets because that's still a thing that people did at the time, hanging my resumes. What I ended up doing after that is pretty crazy because I ended up actually getting a job working for Suser Lee, which is one of the oh. wildest jobs that I've had. And if you guys know, then mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah, he's a big time uh, chef. Yeah, oh, okay. Big time chef, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was he was one of the top chefs for a long time, and then he translated that to uh, transition to a TV career on the Food Network. Yeah, and you got it. Consultant. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, she yeah. had a restaurant with uh, Drake for a while. Frings. Yep. Oh, yeah, I know about that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so and and uh, what was that restaurant called? Uh, it was called Lee, and it was one of those places at the time where, like, if I knew that I was applying there, I definitely would have applied there, but like me early twenty, okay, so we we're like handing out my resume, and I saw that this guy like a someone was like sweeping the patio and I asked if they were hiring and all of a sudden I'm just like sitting on a fucking chair and like I knew who Susan Lee was at the time but I had at the time there's no way that I've had the confidence to go and apply for that job so I'm like sitting with my resume in hand and all of a sudden I look up and he's fucking in front of me and it was one of those moments and it's actually been really important to me since that because I just remember like you know when you go to an interview and they're like there's no fucking way I'm getting this and you're just the most relaxed and you don't give a shit yeah. and you actually have to do the fucking job yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of those. It was good. It, like I learned a lot when I was there, but I also learned that like there is a lot of dark shit within the industry that I learned from that place. Like there's just there's a style. There's a lot you can learn from somebody like that for sure. But interesting to say the least. Like, why do you want to give us some examples of dark shit from that so, restaurant? They had a manager there, and I don't really give a shit because he was an asshole. But his name was Greg Alley, and he was <laughs> an amazing server. But he was a horrible, horrible fucking manager. Because for me, I'm like, we'd have these pre-shift meetings every day. And for me, I'm like, as someone that's managed over the years, and I like run stuff and I try and be as supportive as I can based on all my experience, stuff like that. But like when you it was a kind of place where you'd have pre-shift meetings and they would break me down to fucking tears and then be like, okay, cool, now go work for six oh, fucking. Oh fuck, yeah. And I remember last time finally just like walking. I remember the manager breaking me down and I was like, and crying and he was like why don't you go have a fucking cigarette Brady and we'll see if you can do this again and I was like you know what I have to respect myself a little bit sometimes I just were walking out and being like it got to the point where like I would leave work from that place and my girlfriend would be like you come home crying every fucking day like this is not gonna do so I know it's a really good job and it's gotten me a lot having that job but like I remember after leaving Lee and trying to find other jobs and it was like there's like this rep where people would be like Oh, like you work there? Like, how are you? There's like this. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, they're like, tell me about it because everyone knows. And I mean, again, great chef, shady management, but it's just not. It's not healthy to do that to yourself. No. Like, and you didn't, have, you, didn't have, you didn't have to wake up and be stressed out when you're ready to fucking work. I'm not saying that what we're doing is easy or hard, but like, we're not splitting atoms. Well, that's exactly yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You shouldn't be crying in this job. Like that's ridiculous. Like, so was it like fine dining style service? Yeah. So, yeah. How does that? This is interesting. That like that kind of toxicity. I don't think it exists as much anymore, or at least I hope it doesn't. But maybe a little bit some places. But uh, like when I worked for you the other year, I would say. It's- <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just realized it's so funny. But do you guys remember when Cam lost a bet and had to be my fucking bar back at our <laughs> at the fucking Starlight? Oh yeah. No, I don't remember that. Tell me that story. We'll you take it aside right. for that. I don't remember anything, Brittany. Okay. Follow. 
<laughs> okay, so we're working at the Starlight. Remember, like, the front bar? You were always on that bar. I was on your bar back. But I remember, like, this is, again, we were, like, playing poker and all the time. Like, we would all just make these stupid fucking bets with each other. And God bless Josh for letting us actually fucking execute them. Oh, yeah. Remember, it was good lost that, yeah. a bet, and he had to be a bar back. <laughs> he rocked that job too yeah he loves that shit though uh, we should, actually we should get cam on the show one time to talk about his experience he he's, he's pretty much done all the jobs now yes. actually yeah. except for actually serving alcohol yeah 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 uh yeah he's been he's been my doorman at sugar run he's been uh, this might be something that we should edit out, but it's one of the grossest things that I've ever seen in my entire life, and I will never forget it for the rest of my life. But Cam was so drunk one night that we convinced him to do a shot out of the fucking spill bucket, and I remember Christina oh, being yeah. so mad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. He did that. Like I did that a couple of years, about two years ago. That's what you probably got. We're just gonna have COVID to... times. That was very, very pre-COVID times. Uh, yeah, we're just gonna have to tell Cam that this episode didn't exist. Uh, he doesn't listen to shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> okay. Open the door behind you right now and just show up as if he doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> then we could get a game of cards going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so getting back to that, uh, I just like talking about that that toxicity that existed in that restaurant. Like, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's like, how is that like putting your staff in a position to succeed on a night? Like, you're breaking them down like that. Like, like I want. I'm just very curious about like why anyone ever thought that was a way to handle staff. It's not, and there's been a lot of changes within that, obviously over the years. But I mean, I also think and. Not to be this girl, but I mean, in such a heavy male dominated, like chef, aggressive, like it, it's just unhealthy. And I mean, I know a lot of people that are really fucking destroyed and you can learn a lot from it. There's also still that massive like bro culture and these things still happen all the fucking time. Mm. Yeah. You still find it less in Edmonton in Toronto, a little bit more, but it's like, it's like the fucking rock star syndrome. I was thinking about this all the time where it's like, everyone's like, oh man, this person works here. And they like kind of have to create this identity for themselves as being the bartender that say works at like the bovine where I worked or at the starlight with me now. And you just get caught up in this, like almost like cartoon animated version of yourself working at these places to then try and fit into the new place you're working at to then appease your bosses, which is such bullshit. <laughs> That's interesting. I never thought about that, but you're right. Like you almost become a product of the environment that you're working in uh, without even, without it even being a conscious decision or like, you know what I mean? Like that, that's fucking weird, but that's true because it, I, it definitely happens at kitchens all the time. Right. Like if you are still working with like these Gordon Ramsay type idiots, right. Then, then that's the kind of kitchen the style you grow up in and you easily fall in line if you start working in the kitchen like that. Um, okay, so after so you did work at the Bovine. Where else did you work in Toronto? I did a brief stint at Toroni, which was great. I helped run their wine program for a bit, which was great because I thought for a brief moment that I was going to become a sommelier, and then I realized how much I, fucking work it is. <laughs> yeah, fuck that shit. Oh my fucking god! And yeah. something that I realized, and this is just again, we we're talking about earlier, but like reading people, like I use this as a training tool, and I tell people shit. But I remember having this woman one day at Toroni. And she's like, okay, like what pairs well with this? So I was like, this is what I think pairs well with it. And it did. And I brought her a glass of red wine. And she goes, I don't like it. And then I go, okay. And I'm just like, oh, this fucking stupid bitch. So I go and bring her another one. She doesn't like that. 
I brought her a third glass of wine. What the fuck do you think I brought her the first time? I brought her the first fucking glass and she lost her <laughs> fucking shit over it. Oh, it's, yeah. Well, it's just... You get, it's people, bullshit. Yeah, it was. But, they just yeah. get people what they fucking want. And it's like, even these days, like, even the past weekend, people are like, oh, like, what should I have to drink? I'm like, I don't know. Like, how do you make any fucking basic decision in your life? I'm like, what do you normally fucking drink? I mean, I can recommend and I can help you. I can guide you based on my preferences. But... How the fuck yeah. do these people work in a life? Well, and it's like, so much of that is complete horseshit. Like, uh, I remember working at a place where this guy kept sending the bottles back over and over again. They're off, they're off, they're off. And I'm like, look, that's not possible, first no, of all. Perfect. Like, yeah. And like, like you don't, you, uh, like, he was almost like he was, he was clearly trying to prove a point, but that's not why you send a bottle of wine back because you don't like it. You once once the cork comes out of the bottle, you've per, you've purchased it, right? Like it's like when you drive the car off the lot, you can't bring it back and say, nah, I wasn't really feeling it." Like <laughs> so, it's only if it's corked, right? Like, and he just kept sending them back over and over again. I'm like, you're just trying to be a dick, like, and and not realizing that that's costing the restaurant money they can't afford. Well, that's exactly it. Like I remember when this happened on time in Toronto, these guys, it was like an oil convention and like always like dudes that thought they were like cool shit were coming into the restaurant one day. And something that I did use as a good training tool in the future. Cause I was like, what am I, what am I going to fucking do? I can't sell this $450 bottle of wine by the fucking glass. Mm. So I just started tasting notes for all my fucking stuff. And I was like, guys, this is what it tastes like. At least you can try and sell it now because what the fuck else are you going to do it? At right. least you can try and share it and be like, this guy's an idiot. And then do it. Like, there's so many ways to like fix up. But also like people that do that shit, it's such bullshit. Yeah, it's just like trying to show off. And I, I I also think that that doesn't happen as often as it used to, but it still happens. Like, uh, but you know what? I was having a drink with Paul Beamer the other day. And uh, yeah, and he was telling me a story about how he worked at some fucking hotel in downtown Kitchener. I can't remember which one it was, uh, an older one that it's changed the name or whatever. Um, I think it's where the crown... Oh. No, the, I think it's where the Crown Plaza. Yeah, is, uh, it changes every couple of five, yeah. six years. Uh, but whatever, he was the chef there, and uh, Ozzy Osbourne was playing at the Odd, and they were staying there, and they were like, I guess, out. Uh, they ordered everything off the menu, and Paul was the only one working. So the waitress comes back, and she's like, they want everything on the menu, and then so he made everything on the menu. And then sent it to them, and then they sent it all back saying it was cold uh, and not good. And so he's like, okay, no problem. Just put him under the heat lamp there. And he's like, and I went in the back. I smoked a couple cigarettes, and I left him under the heat lamp uh, for just long enough for me to have recooked them all. I said, set it all right back out. <laughs> they loved it. I'm trying to get him to get on the show, but uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's got lots of good stories, but... Um, hey, well, actually, we should tell people if you're ever in KW area, Paul Beamer owns Loloan and Bima's Warung. Those are amazing restaurants to visit. But this show is not about Paul, it's about Brittany. So, <laughs> so okay, so you do that and then you work to the bovine. Talk about that experience. That was kind of that place kind of defined me a little bit in the sense that, like, that's even followed me out here. Like, that's how I got my job at the Starlight. The bovine was great. I met a lot of really good people. I had far too much fun as always, but the way that I feel about the bovine is the way that I feel about the starlight, which is where I work now. I just remember like walking in and still being like, new to Toronto. And you know, you just like you walk into a place and you like find all your weirdos and everyone you're going to be friends with throughout the rest of your life. It's one of those places to me. Right. So, okay. So when you get out to Edmonton, like how long have you been out there now? I moved here in November. So less than a year. 
Less than a year. And you've been, how long have you been working at the Starlight? Since January. Since January. So talk to me a little bit about the scene in Edmonton right now, as far as bars and cocktail lounges, restaurants, like, is it good, bad, or ugly? I had a really, really horrendous experience at a restaurant on Friday night. (laughs) (laughs) I was, sometimes some of my friends here are like, Brittany, like, be less Toronto. And I don't want to say that it's less Toronto. I'm going to say it's my years of experience and kind of knowing certain things that I would like to expect. But it's a lot, the scene here is good in so many ways, but obviously it's different than say like Waterloo or Toronto. There's still a lot to discover, obviously, but something that I noticed instantly when I moved out here is that the industry, and not at all places, is very young. Like it was hard for me to try and find a job at first because I'm not 18 and I'm not going to be a fucking hostess at say like Cactus Club or Earls or something like that. But there's either a really, really young bar scene or there's people like my age or older that have been doing this for a while that are actually like doing cool things and running shit and there's some stuff going on but there's not uh is it more again i still have a lot to explore yeah Yeah. is it a lot more chains than independent places there yes oh Uh, interesting interesting. definitely Uh, yeah and so so probably not a ton of Super cool, like loungy cocktails type spots. There is one uh, that I'm actually going to tomorrow, and I have yet to go, but I've heard amazing things. This place called Foo's Repair that just opened up, and not to compare it to like a place that I would actively go all the time, but it's it's doing a lot for the city. They have amazing food. They have really cool drinks. They actually just expanded and took over a bigger location, but it's not like you think of places like Snack Bar or like your spots in Waterloo Kip. Like, there's not a lot necessarily of those there are but it's not like you know in toronto we can walk in the street and there's like eight places that are kind of the same but they're all different yeah it's not like that right like what does edmonton need in your in your estimation for like the industry side of things whether it's restaurant bars whatever like what's missing there I think that like there's still a lot of food stuff that I have to discover and I'm not trying to shit on Edmonton because this is my new home and I do love it but it's missing uh, I think that there could be a lot more like independent, cool, niche, like boutique places, if that makes sense. Like more. Yeah. Less chains, more. Yeah. 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 So maybe if I stick around long enough, I mean, like I always toy this. I'm like this point. I'm like this point of life. I'm like, feel like, why haven't you opened your own spot? And I'm like, well, I mean, I've thought about it for years and it's definitely not off the table. It's nowhere close anytime soon. But like, I think that I would like to bring everything that I learned from like Waterloo and in Toronto and then like maybe eventually do something tiny here. If I oh, interesting. Good for you. Don't do it. Honestly, it's yeah. fucking brutal. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but that would be a cool story if you did do it. Uh, yeah. And honestly, if, of course, if you ever get to the point where you decide to do that, give me a call and I've, I can tell you all the things I fucked up. <laughs> uh, it's been super awesome seeing you and talking to you again. And uh, we're so happy that you're doing so well out there and you're having fun and you still look 14. <laughs> but no, for real, Brittany, thanks so much for doing the show. This has been oh, a great catch up. Super fun, guys. I love you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a ton. Yeah. 